as promised, two weeks in a row, back to back with His Excellency Archbishop Hedda. It's a great honor and privilege, of course, that you join us every month, Archbishop. But now, two weeks in a row, how great is that? Welcome. Good to see you again, Archbishop. How are you today? I'm doing fine, Patrick. It's always a pleasure to be back. Wonderful. Well, to be back, you mentioned that last week you were away at the Presbyteral Assembly, and I just wondered how that went. How did it go as all the priests of the Archdiocese gathered together? Boy, I, I wish that all of the faithful in the Archdiocese would have a chance just to be a fly on the wall, because it's really encouraging. You know, to, we had more than 200 priests uh, that made the trek down to St. Mary's University in Winona. It was a wonderful opportunity for uh, priestly fraternity was a wonderful opportunity for prayer. I can tell you that as we gathered either at the St. Thomas More Chapel on the main campus uh, for Mass and for Holy Hour, and just hearing all of those uh, priestly voices, it was amazing. And really, I was just uh, so delighted to be a part of that. And on our last day, we had the chance to go to the Chapel of St. Mary of the Angels. Uh, it's now also part of St. Mary's University, but it's the old uh, chapel from uh, St. Therese. But it's just a, an exquisite uh, Northern Italian Romanesque uh, structure that really uh, facilitated our, our prayer. So it was, but it was great to be together with priests. I think most of our priests had a good time. Uh, we tried having uh, wonderful opportunities for uh, growing in fraternity. We were led by the some representatives from the Spitzer Center who had already been doing some work with our presbyterate. And uh, they did an amazing job of helping to stimulate some discussions. You know, we, we brought in those experts from the Spitzer Center, but we also had our own Deacon uh, Gannon, who heads up our Institute for Continuing Formation, and uh, Paul Ruff, who's the psychologist who works at St. Paul Seminary. Many of our priests uh, know him very well. But with the, the addition of Deacon Gannon and... Uh, and Paul Ruff to the Spitzer Center team, it really made uh, what would already have been a great program even better. So it was a, a magnificent time. We had good feedback from our priests. I think they're excited uh, as they as they left uh, St. Mary's to go back and to and to serve uh, with with a new passion, maybe renewed in their spirit, but also with a desire to get to know each other better and to support each other better in ministry. So. In, in my mind, it was a great success, and the Lord blessed us with amazing weather, too. And it's a beautiful area, and a number of the priests would go out biking or uh, walking the trails or playing frisbee golf. So they there were all kinds of uh, fun things to do as well. Well, it's great to hear of our priests having such fun and uh, being able to be together. I can You talked about uh, fraternity, and I can imagine that's extraordinarily important for any priest uh, to share with other brother priests and what the ministry is, uh, what it contains, maybe to process through some things, to pray together, all these things. And can you give us an idea, Archbishop, at these presbyteral assemblies, are, is there a lot of business that's done as well? Is it really focused on that fraternal aspect? Well, it was very much uh, focused on fraternal uh, fraternity. We did have, though, these sessions from the Spitzer Center that were educational as well. The priests had all uh, filled out a survey, an inventory about our, our the culture of our presbyterate uh, before they came. And so the folks from the Spitzer Center helped us analyze some of that data and 
look at some of those areas where we experience challenge, some of those areas where we're strong. Uh, and so that part of it was it was aimed at fraternity, but it was it was it was hard work, I think, for our priests. And uh, it, it was it was quite good. Um, they also it was uh, some of the things I, I learned, even though I've been here now for more than five years, we have almost 70 percent of the priests who had uh, filled out those surveys. And it was nearly 200 who had done that. Uh, nearly 70 percent of our priests participate in some kind of a fraternal group, a support group of sorts for priests, which I, I think is really pretty, pretty amazing. So there's already that reveals that desire to uh, uh, to build priestly fraternity, to have some accountability in, in our lives. And so that was it was the whole thing was very encouraging. We also did a little bit of business in the sense that we had a presentation on the synod and um, that gave us an opportunity to uh, give some updates, but also to get some feedback. When you have uh, 200 priests, you're, you're bound to get some really great feedback. But really, the, the whole thing was great. We had one, one of the traditions here that I, I really appreciate is that uh, one of the evenings, they have three priests speak at some length uh, at different parts of their, in their priesthood. So uh, one of the priests is, is just around the 10-year mark one at the 25-year mark, and one at the 50-year mark. Huh? And they speak about uh, how it is that they've seen the Lord's hand in their ministry. Uh, they've spoken about changes that they've seen. It was really inspiring this year. So all in all, it was a great time. That's really great to hear. For speaking as a member of the lay faithful, it's always an encouragement to us when we hear that our, our shepherds are being encouraged one with another as well. I'm wondering too, Archbishop, as you have participated now, of course, in in a number of these, are they? Um, is it something that uh, provides? I, I realize it provides a bit of encouragement that's perhaps different than what uh, we as laity in parishes can can do, can help to support our priests. But uh, is there maybe on top of what they're receiving at these presbyteral assemblies? Is there is there a way that we as laity can better support our priests and uh, make sure that they remain encouraged, especially as the obligation now to return to mass is is back in force as of this weekend, and that uh, yeah, the faithful. Again, we've seen a number of them come back already, but uh, the faithful are back in full force, as it were. Yes, which is which is beautiful and inspiring. I can tell you that I, I appreciated, as did the priests who were gathered, uh, the prayers of the lay faithful who were really supporting us in our time in Winona, right? So that, that was very real for us. And I, I know that many of our lay faithful may, had to make some sacrifices. You know, my, many of our parishes had to cancel um daily mass, for example, for those days. And so for those people who are daily mass goers, they were offering that sacrifice uh, for their priests and for, for all of the priests. But it was, and you mentioned about the laity, and um, it was really, I think, inspiring for us that for the most part, that the, the workshops were all being led by laymen, uh, Deacon Gannon as, as an ordained deacon, um, but then um, Paul Ruff and the two representatives from the Spitzer Center. And there was plenty of discussion about that, about how it is that uh, our lay people have something to uh, to contribute, even into the lives of priests, just as, as priests can offer insights into married life, uh, that we have, we have committed uh, laymen, lay people, who are able also to assist um, 
with things that they've learned in other parts of their lives and helping our, our priests to lead more integrated lives. And a good part of the discussion in the course of those days, you wouldn't be surprised, was about the some of the burdens of administration that priests feel. You know, they, they love doing things that are more obviously priestly, right? So when they're celebrating the sacraments or they're preaching or they're teaching, they're they're really excited about that. But we don't have too many priests that get excited by administration. And so um, to have those opportunities to consider how our lay faithful, who are, who are often expert in those areas, uh, can really help the pastor and how, how really help the, the church and the parish uh, by offering their gifts in that way. But, but it was modeled in a very significant way uh, with the two experts from the Spitzer Center and um, and Paul Ruff as well, the laymen who were so committed uh, to the life of the church. And it was interesting, as you know, as you're speaking about returning uh, to Mass, that so much of uh, our time together was focused on the Eucharist. Now, of course, there was Eucharistic adoration every day. But even as we discussed uh, priestly unity in, in the midst of a very diverse church, uh, we all spoke about how it is that we find our unity in the Eucharist. And um, the, the lay folks who were helping us, you know, talked about how important the, the celebration of the Eucharist is for them and sustaining them in their, their work, sustaining their families too, and how important it is that the, uh, the priests give themselves over to the, uh, Christ in the Eucharist in that way. Um, but it was just really a, a very um, powerful time together focused on the Eucharist that we know is the source of our unity. And so we're excited as we, and we were all sharing stories too, trying to figure out what what has worked in terms of bringing people back. How is it that we're able to allay some fears? How is it that we're able to encourage our faithful to come back? So I, I hope it was helpful on that practical level as well. Wonderful. And it is a, a great gift, of course, to be able to be uh, back into the habit of, of certainly weekly Mass, but daily Mass as well. want to return to our subject of last week just for a little bit, just, uh, just clarifying once again, just reinstating of the obligation to attend Sunday Mass and uh, Holy Days of Obligation. I'm just curious, uh, I mean, as someone who loves the Mass and someone who loves going to Mass, I, I'm I'm frequently kind of bothered, quite frankly, by this word obligation. Um, yes. It just, it seems a little, uh, well, it's, it's uh, imposes a certain sense about attending mass, whereas, uh, uh, you know, it should be more of a celebration. Can you, uh, can you reflect on that some too, Archbishop, and, and just the, the, what should be drawing us back to mass rather than what obliges us to go to mass? Yes. So uh, I would very much agree with you, Patrick, right? So I, I, can, I never really think about going to Mass as an obligation. And I know that for most of our lay faithful, that's the case. But it was interesting that when, there, when the dispensation was uh, in effect, that uh, many of our lay people thought that it showed a disrespect for the Eucharist, that, it, that somehow or another it's the obligation that really clarifies for Catholics that this is the most important thing that we do. And that with, with even though they were coming to Mass, and uh, but they thought that it would be important for us to uh, restore the obligation just to remind everyone that this is this is so crucial for us as a church that's sacramental. And uh, we all know that uh, we're created in the, in the image of the, 
of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we're created already with a, uh, something within us that desires communion, that desires community. And um, that's something that's so difficult to maintain, not impossible, but difficult, uh, when we're not coming together for the celebration of the Eucharist, at least on Sundays uh, or uh, uh, on the vigil. Uh, and so I, I think that sense of obligation, we never want to reduce it to, uh, to a mere legal obligation or have people feel that it's, this is a burden on them. Uh, we always want them to feel, as you do, that this is something that we celebrate. But it, it does, the obligation does remind us that this is absolutely essential and, and part of how we identify ourselves as Catholics is by our commitment. And I think that's probably the better way to look at it, our commitment to be part of that Eucharistic community. And when we look to see where in our own lives we've been sustained, so often we see how it's the Eucharist that does that. Huh? And indeed, the, the community that is the church gathered around the altar of the Eucharist. And so for us as Catholics, we, we, we just feel drawn, I think, uh, to that experience. And the fact uh, Patrick, that so many people uh, had been already returning to Mass before there was any obligation, uh, I, th I think re reflects that very deeply. Absolutely. And it uh, has been such a blessing to have that opportunity to uh, return to Mass, given the given that all the guidelines are followed and everything. But as we're seeing a loosening of those guidelines, what a blessing it is to be able to uh, come back on Sundays on each day of the week and to celebrate uh, celebrate the Eucharist with uh, with our brothers and sisters and to receive that, as you put it so well, Archbishop, that source of unity. And I, I pray that this might be a good a good transition, uh, might strengthen the unity of our local church as well. We couldn't do it without you, Archbishop, of course, and we're so grateful for your ministry. And believe it or not, we have reached the end of our time again. So as always, I would love uh, for you to give us your blessing, if you would, please. Thank you, Patrick. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Archbishop. Always good to speak with you. God bless you. Thank you, Patrick. And it's always good to hear from him and Bishop Cousins. Thanks, My thanks to our producer, Cammie, who's been arranging those for each and every month. Uh, right, we're going to head into our first break when we come back. How has the pandemic changed our school children? And what can we do to help with a smooth transition back to in-person learning? Dr. Jules Nolan is with us right after this. <laughs> 